In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As we gather this morning uh, on the day of Pentecost, when we remember the uh, mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit, of God's continued and gracious uh, intercession on behalf of His creation, we have some wonderful lessons which are before us from Paul's letter to the Romans and also from John's Gospel. And I want primarily to invite you along with me to focus on Paul's letter um, to the Romans as we unpack that some, as we hear the amazing message of the Gospel which is made known and available to us uh, therein. And the portion that we read is, is basically in the middle of that chapter, chapter 8. And chapter 8 begins with an amazing uh, word of promise, and it also ends with a, an amazing word of promise and assurance, because it begins with the declaration that there is now no condemnation um, for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, amen, and it ends with the amazing words, there is therefore now no separation um, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who shall separate us from the love of God? And Paul goes through the whole list of the various trials and tribulations and sufferings that we experience, um, the travails that we experience in this life, uh, and the assurance is given to you and to me that nothing, none of these things can separate us from the love of God made available to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. And in the middle of those two wonderful promises, no condemnation, no separation, Paul speaks to um, the reality of what it is to live by faith now, the, the now and the not yet uh, of living by faith, with the assurance that we have been loved, that we've been more than loved, that we've been forgiven, that we've been restored in a right relationship with God, that we have the security of that which cannot uh, be taken away from us. And yet even in the midst of that ultimate deposit and that ultimate security, we, we have the challenge uh, of not just you and me, but even creation itself, the groaning uh, and the travail that accompanies so much of this life. But I want to talk about two um, intercessions which uh, God makes on our behalf. First, the, the ultimate intercession which God makes on our behalf. And then secondly, to talk a little bit about the continued intercession uh, of God for you and for me. And since I thought we would reflect on that this morning, uh, I looked up intercede just to make sure I, I actually had that word correct. If any of y'all remember uh, The Princess Bride, um, there's that. He kept the one character keeps saying inconceivable, and Andre the Giant keeps saying, I don't think that word means what you think it means. Um, so I thought by way of, you know, let me be clear about what I mean um, by intercede and what the word means. And by definite, it means this to act or in interpose on behalf of someone in difficulty or trouble by pleading or petition. Uh, it means to intervene. It means to intercede, um, to mediate, um, to reconcile. Uh, and the amazing thing which is held out to you and to me this morning is that we have the continued presence, the continued promised presence uh, of the Holy Spirit, promised by Jesus in the passage which we read from John, celebrated by Paul in his letter to the Romans, that God continues in the presence of the Holy Spirit to intercede um, on our behalf. 
It is uh, graduation time. It's sort of, maybe if y'all have been to a few uh, graduations, I had opportunity this past week to speak at the day school um, graduation at the beginning of the week. My middle Maisie um, graduated from high school, so it's I've sort of been in, in graduation mode this week. And as I've been a part of that and reflected on that, I, I remembered as well uh, a story I, I share with you now from my own graduation from college at the Citadel. And as I've mentioned before, um, the Citadel is a great place to be from, and as part of the whole ex experience there, uh, you finish your exams, uh, and exams are finished, grades are turned in, and yet you're there for about a week prior to graduation, and the administration realizes that cadets are, are like children, you need to keep them busy, uh, because if you don't, um, they'll get into trouble, and so we had sort of a parade for this, and a parade um, for that, and, and unfortunately, um, for my friend and I, they weren't able to keep us busy enough because we had this um, great idea. And, you know, typically, you know how that ends up when you have this great idea. This is going to be hilarious. Um, we had this great idea uh, and shockingly um, it turned out not to be a great idea. And we wound up with 60 demerits and 120 tours, which is the maximum penalty that you can receive at the Citadel. The offense is irrelevant. Um, we don't need to go into that, but just suffice to say um, the maximum 60 demerits and 120 tours. Well, here's, I mean, that's bad enough, but here's the challenge about that. The way that the discipline and the punishment was laid out was that you could march three on Wednesday, three on Friday, and six on Saturday for a grand total of 12 per week. Um, and we were days before graduation, and so it would take um, 10 weeks um, for us to go ahead and complete that. So I made one of my many calls to my father, and I said, Dad, you need to revisit your travel plans. Um, and if y'all would tell Mom, if you'd tell Mom, that'd be great. Um, so I just sort of made the call to Dad and said, you know, things uh, have turned out a little different than, than we had planned. And then uh, something happened. We had on one of the parades, we had a transition in the leadership of the Citadel. General Grimsley was retiring, uh, and uh, General Claudius E. Bud Watts III was retiring as Comptroller of the Air Force, was returning to his alma mater, and following one of the parades, uh, there was an address by our incoming president, uh, President Watts, and as he stood at the podium, and I can still uh, visualize it as he stood at the podium and he said, gentlemen, as my first official act as president of the Citadel, I grant amnesty. And in an instant, uh, my punishment was wiped away. Legalists were heartbroken, um, but I, I leapt from my seat charismatically to offer praise um, to the <laughs> finest president um, that the Citadel has um, or ever will know, um, General Watts. God, God bless him. And I, and I share all that with you because, you know, obviously such a phenomenal experience. I had been walking around this with this uh, just tremendous burden upon myself and and the challenge of that particular burden was manifold. Part of the challenge of that particular burden was the recognition that, that 
that I was guilty. I had no, what was I going to say? It's like, you know what? Yeah, um, I was, this is exactly what I did. This is exactly um, what the punishment for that particular offense looks like. So I had, I had no recourse to say there's been a misunderstanding. Um, I, was, I was guilty, so I had no way uh, of extricating myself from that particular situation. And, and I, was, I was stuck, and I was in need of an intercessor uh, in that particular situation. I needed for someone to come and save me from the situation that I was in, to pull me out of that in an instant. And, and it happened. And as you might imagine, at the moment, I didn't think about it theologically. Um, I thought about it by way of relief. But I share that story with you because what we hear in the message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, uh, in coming forth into the world and taking on uh, human sin uh, upon himself and taking upon himself uh, on the cross the judgment that would rightly fall upon you and me, uh, we have received once and for all the forgiveness of sins. And his death and his resurrection, that intercession has occurred um, once and for all. You and I, through our faith in Jesus rather than in ourselves, are people who are forgiven. Um, we are restored. And we have the ultimate um, down payment. We have the ultimate um, deposit in this life. We have that ultimate gift given to you and to me um, in his cross and in his resurrection. Forgiven, uh, restored, made right in our relationship with God because of who he is, because what he has done, rather than what you and I have done. But here's, and really that's enough. But here's the challenge, of course, is that on that particular situation, I was saved from that. But not surprisingly, I've got into plenty of others since then. Uh, there's been need for continued um, intercession uh, as I've gone along in my life. And, and Paul, talking to Christians, um, talks about the amazing um, gift of God given to you and to me. And that, yes, he has interceded for us uh, in Jesus. But also, there is that continued intercession through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Who actually dwells with us. Who actually um, searches our hearts um, and our minds. And actually prays to God for us, actually knowing um, what to pray for, um, we have that intercession of God on our behalf. And, and here is also the, the challenge and the reality is that there's a pattern um, to this world. And the pattern of, the, of this world, Paul addresses in Romans, there is groaning, there is travail, there is loss, there is um, suffering, uh, which is just inevitably and inexorably a part uh, of our life. Um, and it comes to you and to me, Christians, as any other person. And there can be the challenge uh, for you and for me when we are experiencing travail, when we are experiencing suffering uh, and loss and rejection and all the losses and challenges uh, of this life that we can feel um, forsaken by God. Uh, we can feel uh, as if we're not loved by God, as if the world seems um, stacked against us. But given to you and to me uh, is an amazing um, perspective uh, and a powerful presence, uh, which is greater than that. Because what we see, yes, we see the model of the world, but we also see the model of Jesus' life. Uh, and we see that through um, his suffering, glory comes into the world. We see that through his weakness, strength comes into the world. We see that through his death, life comes into the world. And that same pattern and that same reality is alive and at work in our lives as Christians as the Holy Spirit intercedes um, on our behalf. 
And as we experience those things, we have a greater perspective and we have a greater reality. We don't enjoy them um, by any stretch, but we know that they're light and momentary compared to the glory that will be revealed. They're light and momentary compared to what God will bring out of it by way of strength, by way of glory, by way of life, by way of hope. So what I pray uh, that I'm able to communicate to you this morning um, is this, is the amazing love and grace of God made available to us in Jesus Christ. That we have once and for all been forgiven and restored in our relationship with God. But the, also the, uh, the other amazing promise to you and to me uh, is that God just doesn't save us and then walk away and say, well, I'll see you in a while. Um, but he continues to be present in the midst and the power uh, of the Holy Spirit, working and interceding on our behalf, shaping uh, and fashioning you and me that we might be people who have life that we might be people who have hope, um, that we might be people that God's glory is manifested in and upon by the work and the continued presence and power and intercession of His Holy Spirit. Uh, and as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You uh, that You continually intercede on our behalf, and we pray that through the presence of Your Holy Spirit, You would search our hearts and minds, uh, our spirits, our lives, our wills, uh, and that you would fashion them in such a way, Lord, that our ultimate reality uh, is one of certainty, uh, joy, and hope in life, which is found not in ourselves, uh, but in your power made perfect in our weakness. And these things we ask and give thanks for in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.